And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with This Old Marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 237 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded in the newly reopening but still kind of masked up world of quarantine on May 28th, 2020. And with me, my good friend, my colleague, and the next passenger on the SpaceX rocket, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you, my friend? <laughs> are, you, are you getting packed and ready to go? I mean, I mean, I heard this is, I heard you're going. Um, yes, you've heard incorrectly, sir. I would, uh, <laughs> I, the, the craziest I've gotten Would is, you go? Uh, would you go? Here's the, that's my question for you is, would you go? How long is the trip? Is it forever? Uh, uh, is this know, it? Is this like no, a, no, no. an no, interstellar regular, thing? No, no, not an interstellar thing. Whenever you come back and <laughs> it's everybody's like whatever, aged 500 I come back, years. Yeah, I come back and my kids are 175. <laughs> Yeah, right. No, I mean, a regular, like, you know, uh, I don't know, a few days, I guess it is, or, you know, uh, just going up and orbiting and then coming home. I would have to seriously consider it. because Really? Here, I'll give you an example. I've always wanted to uh, jump out of an airplane. Yeah. But that was when I didn't have a family, and I didn't have any responsibility, and if I... You know, let's just say I hit the ground like a hot dog pancake. You know, no, <laughs> nobody. It doesn't really affect the world in any way. Now, I think yeah. today, because I have two boys and a wife that hopefully loves me, uh, right? That it, it's a little bit different. So that's kind of where I'm at. I would still like to do it, but there's a little bit more risk involved. So I would like to know the safety behind it. Um, is this a Elon Musk's thing? Is this? That's right. Yeah. It's basically a Tesla. You're getting into a Tesla and going into he, orbit. Is was what you're he doing. high when he designed this? I'm just. They may very just, well have been. Um, <laughs> I, I, was but I guarantee you, he Joe had Rogan? zero to do with the design of that yeah, thing. I'm sure it's very, very safe. I'm not ready. I would, I would go. Like by the way, make... I would go in a heartbeat. I would, would go in really? a blink of an eye. If somebody, oh, in a blink of an eye. If somebody said you could go up into orbit and get on a rocket, oh, in a second. See, I'm I not, a, I'm not a, a first mover on that. I'm like, you know, yeah. I can wait until the opening premiere, the last, you know, the first weeks of it. Let the let the lines go down, and then I'll go. I don't need to wait in line for. Let eight the hours. lines go down. Let the lines go down. You must be this high to go into <laughs> orbit. <laughs> well, I'm glad that. Yeah, I'm glad that you'll go. It's good to know. If if any tickets yeah. come available. You're the first person I'm calling. Well, you're the one person who I know who could actually maybe afford one of those uh, tickets. I don't know. What is it, by the way? How much does it cost? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure it's a, I'm sure it's a lot of, lot of money. It's a lot of Bitcoin. A yes, lot that, of, that is exactly. Uh, yeah, it, it's a lot of XRP that's going to get you up in the, <laughs> in the heavens. Well, good. That's that's wonderful. How was your... Uh, How's your week been? How's how are things how are things going in in Los Angeles these days? You know, it's been pretty good, I have to say. We over the Memorial Day weekend, I actually went to a restaurant for the first time, indoor um, outdoor. Uh outdoor. Okay. <clears throat> and but it was, you know, their patio, so yeah. it was a yeah. lovely experience. You know, they've opened up um some restaurants here, not in LA County, but actually we have a little place that we go to up in Santa Barbara, so that's Santa Barbara County here in California, and um, they have loosened the uh, restrictions there a bit to reopen restaurants in you know a very controlled way. Um, but it was the first time, literally in twelve weeks, that I've sat down at a restaurant, had a bottle of wine, had some good Italian food, and I have to tell you. It was amazing. It was it was really really wonderful to actually to sit down and have a be, meal. Be a yeah, bit it was again. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I'm all exactly. for I'm all for the outdoor uh, gatherings of any kind as long as you know they're not. It's it, you're not at a rock concert. I think that I mean from what I've seen outdoors, pretty good, pretty low risk. Um, I would not be going indoors at any time soon. But outdoors, I'm totally with you. I could totally do the the wine on the patio type of thing and and see where that goes. So, oh yeah, and it's a whole thing now. I mean, you know, they've got new roles. Which, by the way, really 
they are just, they're growing into this. You know, the whole, so bus boys are the only ones who are allowed to touch plates. Oh, and so yeah. they basically, you know, they're the ones who uh, will, will pick up your food. There's another set of bus boys who can bring food. So there's only one kind of person that's going to bring you stuff. And there's only one part, kind of person that's going to take away stuff. And then the waiter is not going to touch anything, right? So it's a whole game now that gets played with the way that, you know, you, 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 know, you interact, right? So you can't just go, hey, waiter, can I have a fork? They're like, okay, yes, I'll get the person who can get you a fork, right? I mean, it's that kind of thing. That's so interesting. Yeah, it's it was fascinating, and it really hampered the service. I mean, you know, and you know, totally forgivable, obviously, for the you know because they are just reopening, and but at the same time, it took you know, I mean, what what normally would be a two hour extravaganza, you know, eating out <clears throat> was a three you know three plus hour sort of you know thing because it just took forever to get anything when is the when would you be comfortable going inside and eating immediately you really you're good with it oh yeah totally good with it yeah i'm good i'm good to go to be honest really i'm I'm good to go you know all proper ppe you know you know masks and all that stuff i'm fine with all of that and i do wear my mask and i'm all that kind of thing but i am not i'm ready to roll i'm 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 ready to go i'm uh, i'd go inside i'd get on a plane i'd i'd go you know i'd stay in a hotel i'd i'd do all those things i'm 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 not uh um you know personally you know i get it for the rest of the world that aren't comfortable and i'm very respectful of that but for me personally i'm ready to yeah. go you're a little bit further along the line than I am. I'm not. I mean, I, I, I it's something about restaurants, indoor restaurants. Uh, and I probably because I've read too many articles about that and how long it how long it can linger in the air. Uh, but I think it also depends on who's, you know, who's abiding, who's not, who's at least trying to be safe. I've been around a lot of people lately that are the opposite, are completely on the other end of it. Where yeah, where they're yeah. where they're where they're hating on a little bit on people who are trying to. Well, that's look another. Yeah, humanity. that's a whole other. Yeah, right. I mean, you see, there's a there's a Venn diagram thing going around, which I think is really appropriate. Which is, you know, there are you know there are those that are saying you know, I'm so concerned about you know I'm going to get my you know AR-15 and go stand on the steps of the Michigan State Capitol and protest the my you know my right to not wear a mask. And then there are those who are on the other side, which is, I'm going to drive around in my, you know, I'm going to sleep in a mask, you know, and there's this, you know, we can be concerned, you know, the, this Venn diagram that's going around, basically, you know, I can be concerned about the safety of my fellow humans and concerned about my ability to have freedom to roam about the country. And then there's a, you know, thing in the middle that basically says, this is me, right? You know, this is, we can be, we can hold both of those thoughts in our head at the same time and still be a regular person. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. I think yeah. that the it's as usual, as we talk about on this show a lot, the, the truth is somewhere in the middle. Right. And the extremes are probably where you don't want to be. <laughs> well, that'll be that's funny given all the stuff we're going to talk about. Yeah, it's going to be next of course, minutes. <laughs> you're going to hear some extremes here, uh, yeah, especially my opinion funny. on some of these things. But uh, should we uh, <laughs> should we get started here? We absolutely yeah, should get started because it's going to get ready for a ride, oh, folks, because uh, here we go. Um, yeah, it's been a busy uh, a busy week of news other than uh, the coronavirus. And of course, we start with our top of the segment, our top of the show segment, which, of course, is the one news item that sort of sets the tone or the theme here and comes to us courtesy of The Wall Street Journal. Uh, and the headline here is Media Company Whistle buys marketing firm to capture ad spending by streaming services. And that is the most complex, weird, and stupid headline ever. Um, but the story opens up by saying Team Whistle, uh, which is an actual name of a company, a digital media company known for its sports and entertainment programming on social platforms, has acquired the marketing firm Tiny Horse, which is another horribly named company. Um, but partly the acquisition is about to capture more business from the intensely competitive video streaming services. More than three quarters of Tiny Horse's revenue has come from the marketing work on behalf of streaming services such as Amazon, Netflix, and AT&T. 
Team Whistle will pay $30 million for Tiny Horse, mostly in the form of equity shares, according to a person familiar with the matter. And the article goes on to then talk about uh, the acquisition and both business models of both companies. But basically, leave it to say that, um, you know, that the idea here is, is that what we've got is Team Whistle, which is a media company um, that has basically really been into the selling ads, selling ad space, and been a media company selling this to um, the Netflixes of the world, um, advertising marketing services, has acquired Tiny Horse, which is a content production company, a content creation, um, uh, content-focused production company, really, more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And they're basically moving upstream because uh, Tiny Horse was getting all of this business from companies like Amazon and Netflix and others to say, hey, go produce this really cool sports, you know, themed, um, you know, documentary or do this really cool piece of content and do that. And here you've got a media company that's basically saying we can do all of these things and basically, you know, pull uh, ostensibly what uh, New York Times is doing with. Um, their uh, T-Brand Studios and uh, Turner is doing with their Turner Studios and so many media companies are doing right now, which is to get into the content creation business, to get into the agent, you know, the creative agency business, which is really just fascinating to me. Um, and, and the reason that I wanted to, to point it out is because it really just represents this, the changing in fluid business models, especially right now. You talked about this the last time we, we we did the show, which is this idea of right now, this time in the world is going to provide for a lot of opportunities for those businesses to sort of latch onto it and get into the business that they weren't in before and sort of build their ecosystem, their ecosystem of services to have multiple lines of revenue. And this is just a perfect, perfect example of that um, in a world where streaming media has become so huge. And so those are big clients that are spending big money. And here you've got a content creation company and a company that has been selling media services to those companies sort of saying, hey, now you can get both from us. And, you know, immediately doubling their size, immediately becoming a real player in the space. And, you know, despite their horrible names, um, you know, becoming real, you know, real players. And I think it's just a fascinating thing. Getting picked up by the Wall Street Journal, no doubt. Uh, it's so interesting. I mean, I now I'm getting... <laughs> if I start talking about, well, 25 years ago, now I'm getting old yeah. as I talk about these <laughs> right? things. But if you look at 20 years ago, there was a move right after 9-11, there was a move for diversification. Because the the uh, in-person events business model really got hit very, very hard. So then we moved out in publishing and media and we said, oh, we've got to diversify. And that's the first inkling that a lot of media companies saw of adding a custom marketing services arm. That's what you're talking about here. And then, right. and then as you move on, you, you started – so let's move to 10 years later – there was this diff this other move of focusing on the business models that work the best, not diversification. So that's where you saw a move into sheer subscription models or sheer, hey, we're all in an events. And they didn't look at business models as valuable that had uh, you know, different like eight different kinds of digital revenue lines or multiple subscription often uh, options or multiple different event models they liked one thing it was a so if you go to 2015 2016 they liked the big event model was really good that's the one that we wanted we wanted a you know a large exhibit large conference something like that would work well marketing services not so loved uh adver digital advertising not as loved and today you're moving straight out to the question of how many different revenue lines do you have to protect us from the apocalypse? Right. And that this isn't, you know, we're seeing what you talked about here in the Wall Street Journal. We're seeing this happen. We're going to see a lot more and more. In the, and by the way, on both sides, not just on the media side, but on the marketing side, you're going to say, okay, well, we yes, we need to be a lead generator. We also need to drive loyalty. We also should dri be driving three or four of our own revenue lines um, which hasn't been, I mean, it's been a nice to have before. I think now it's going to be essential that we as marketers start looking at, oh, we need to have these things because, wow, 
Um, chaos happens awfully quickly and can destroy <laughs> a business model in two seconds. Yes. And so I think that's I, where we're at. We're watching it happen in real time. Uh, you know, it, the chaos destroy business models, right? And those that, the ones, the interesting thing is, is and, and this was my, actually my theme this week as I, as I started um, recording, you know, the other podcast and, and writing my weekly letter, which is this idea of resilience, right? That what defines resilience these days is having the, you know, the breadth to be able to bounce forward, right? To be able to go and adapt and change. And in this chaos that comes in, the resilience isn't the ability to sort of withstand the punishment of a crisis and then come back the way you were. What defines resilience these days is the ability to say, no, 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 we're good. We can mold around this thing and become something new tomorrow. So, so we have we have friends that own a, a coffee shop. And of course, in, in April, March and April, they closed entirely, reopened um, May 1st. And... It was a pickup side door pickup only service that they created. Right. It was really really cool. Of course, had the markers for standing and whatever. Talked to him the other day. He said, "My yields up, revenues up, and I'm using no space inside my coffee yeah. shop." Yeah, and he's rethinking whether or not even to open up the coffee shop as exactly. a physical entity. Isn't that crazy? Exactly. It's crazy. I, 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 there's a, there's a, 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 a deli here in Los Angeles, famous, world-famous deli um, called Cantor's. And uh, it's, you know, it's one of those famous Hollywood landmarks that have been around forever. One of the things that they started doing um, over the last, let's call it, three, three years was they wanted to expand their delivery service, right? The ability to, you know, deliver to further, you know, parts of Hollywood, right? Yeah. So they built in kitchens that had no eating space. So they built around the city, they built these kitchens where they basically cook and the only thing they do is provide for takeout. Guess which deli is just killing it right now? No way. Right? Really? Yeah, it, because they've got all these remote kitchens already operational where you can call in and go pick up stuff, and they had it already built, right? It, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing that, you know, you've got these restaurants that are building kitchens to cook and to create food, but don't have any eating space at all. I think, it's a, well, I think that's a fascinating It's thing. so brilliant, and I, I can't remember. I was listening to a James Altucher podcast last week, and I don't remember the gentleman's name, but he... Um, he is the owner of Trends.co. So he looks at different trends in the industry. And they were talking about restaurant trends. And the biggest restaurant trend, this just blew my mind. The biggest trend is, and he's gonna, he said, the biggest restaurants of the future will not have a storefront at all. And, and he was talking basically about how there are certain companies, and this is happening in New York like crazy right now, where... They're out of a general kitchen that they're renting out space from, and they will launch on Uber Eats only, let's say, Tony's Tacos and Rita's Salad Bar or whatever it is. They'll, they'll six or seven different brands that are only on Uber Eats, and it's all made out of the same kitchen. Yeah. And they have no storefront. That's so right. I think that, and we've seen this happen in retail, and I don't think people saw, thought that that could happen in the restaurant business. And it is absolutely happening. So that's the the fastest growing restaurants will have no storefront. It's yeah, it's a it's a it's a fascinating thing. Uh, tonight, I will go this afternoon. Um, there is a food truck uh, that comes every Tuesday uh, to uh, our neighborhood, but you don't go down to the food truck like you do normal food trucks. Not in this time. And they have basically shifted their business model where. What you do is they send you an email and they say, we're going to be there, remember, on Tuesday evening, put in your order. And you can order everything from something hot to eat that right then, or you can actually order cold stuff that you would cook, right? They just, you know, they put the bolognese or they put the whatever in the, in the container and you just go pick it up and you can then heat it up when you, whenever you feel like it. And what it is, you order it online and then you just go to the food truck and pick it up. It's a, it's yeah, it's 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 a fascinating time for those businesses that can actually be truly resilient and 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 morph. Uh, I absolutely I I mean, of course, it's tragic <laughs> what's happening to some businesses, of course, but it's absolutely. fascinating to see how quickly new business models how people adapt. Oh, my yeah. God. Yes. Yeah. Back to your you always have to yeah. correct me. Yes. 
that's the, the 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 whole theme of the show is how to adapt and be flexible. We got it. That's right. <laughs> we got it. There we go. That's it. That's what we're talking about. Uh, That's all we're talking about. Well, speaking of adaptation, let's move to our second uh, story here, which moves us into uh, the second segment of our show, which, of course, is all of the little articles that we've picked up. And this is where we sort of will dive down the rabbit hole, as it were, um, into a few things that should hopefully be provocative. Um, The first, maybe not that provocative, but certainly an interesting uh, development is Joe Rogan. Yes, Joe Rogan, the podcaster um, and, of course, comedian, um, has, he got paid. Uh, The article that we'll link to, although there are many to link to here, uh, comes from CNBC, where the headline is, Joe Rogan's podcast moves exclusively to Spotify and the stock soars accordingly. Uh, The key points of the article are that shares of Spotify closed more than 8% higher on Tuesday. This was just this last Tuesday. After comedian Joe Rogan announced his podcast is moving exclusively to the streaming platform, Joe Rogan's podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, has built a massive and loyal following, and Spotify has spent the last year strengthening its podcast streaming library through a series of acquisitions. The uh, reported deal is $200 million, although there seems to be some dispute about whether that's that high or whether it's that low or whether that is it. And that is really the topic of our discussion, which is, Mr. Polizzi, what is your take on Joe Rogan getting paid here uh, hundreds of millions of dollars to move his podcast to Spotify? What do you think? Yeah, so so if you, we don't know the numbers for sure, but anywhere from 100 probably 200 million dollars that Spotify is paying Joe Rogan to secure the rights to the largest podcast audience in the world right now estimated at probably around 10 million if you if you look at it through multiple channels and you know we talked about this before the show is it a good is it's definitely good for Spotify no doubt about it this is a slam dunk excellent move for Spotify to get the uh the most um I, at least by audience standpoint, the most popular podcaster on their platform, only on theirs, I think starting next year, January, it'll only go to to Spotify. So good for them. From a Joe Rogan standpoint, it's up to Joe. Like, is is if this is a good decision for Joe, if he was thinking about maybe stepping back, and I think this is a three-year deal, is he going to step back in three years? They get the rights to the Joe Rogan Experience stuff. They can continue on doing whatever they're doing. If he wants to step back a little bit, I listen to Joe Rogan probably one out of every three podcasts that Joe does, and I think he's a great interviewer, and I, I think that the whole shutdown thing made him realize that he – doesn't want to travel as much, work as hard. He wants to be around his family more. I think he's really enjoying a lot of time at home. So from that standpoint, when I saw this, I was like, yeah, he's he's changed. Because two years ago, if you looked at what Joe Rogan said about any deal with Spotify, he said it'd be a bad deal. So something turned, probably $200 million turned his head <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to making something. Now, there's we'll share a link uh, from Supercast about whether this is a good decision or not. Again, if it's a good decision, again, I think it's slam dunk for Spotify. I want to get your take on it, though, Robert. But on the Joe Rogan side, again, it depends on what his long-term goals are. If he only wanted to go two to three years, it's fantastic. If Joe said he wanted to keep this model going for the next 10 years, he could be he could have been losing out on $500 million to a $1 billion in revenue. Could. And probably would if he would have built his own platform. Because you, uh, you got to remember, now he's sold the rights to his content and all of his subscribers from a larger multiple platforms to smaller one platform. Uh, I don't think you can make the comparison with what Howard Stern did at Sirius because Howard Stern had basically the New York audience. He was on a lot of talk shows. But going to Sirius wasn't as much of a I'm going to lose audience move as it was to Joe Rogan here, who's absolutely, however you look at the numbers, there's no way he's going to pull in 10 million for a long, long time. 10 million listeners, that is. So yeah. I don't know. I wanted to, I wanted to get your, your take on it and, and uh, how you saw the move. Sure. I, well, I, I, you know, look, any day that you wake up $200 million richer is a good day. Yeah. So let's just, let's just start there. 
Um, and and so I think it's a fantastic deal for Joe Rogan. I totally agree with you that it depends on his goals. Um, but here's what I would say is I, I also agree that the comparison to Sirius and Howard Stern is misplaced because it's the actually it's actually the reverse, right? Um, you know, when when Stern moved from FM radio and syndication to uh, Sirius, he was actually it was the equivalent of going from broadcast TV to cable. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, that's a different, you know, he, Joe Rogan is ostensibly going, you know, from, you know, broadcast to a different broadcast. So it's just a you know, it just happens to be that, quite frankly, um, you know, Spotify, it, to your point, has a smaller audience than would be available through all of the different channels that podcasting is available through right now, you know, whether it's, you know, iTunes or, you know, you know and all of that kind of thing. So it's not, it's not a, it's, it's, it's not a, you know, an, an exclusive sort of, it, it is an exclusive channel of sorts, but the mechanism to get it is the same, right? In other words, it, it's basically, you're still going to get it you, you, through, you know, your podcast listener and your, it's a podcast that you're going to listen to. You're just going to only be able to get it through one platform instead of nine. And so that's the, that's the real difference here. Whether or not he had a opportunity to create a subscription-based business and build a platform, the, the metaphor that I use is, um, you know, <laughs> and as you know, I've been spending a lot of time in the NFL um, <laughs> yes, during lockdown. Exactly. Um, learning the finer points of deal negotiation and all of that. And the, there's a saying in sports contracts that it's not the money, it's the guaranteed money. And, and, and so whenever you make a deal with a sports star, you know, your, your starting quarterback, your starting wide receivers, whatever, all of them will tell you that it's not about the total contract value. It's about what, get, what money is guaranteed. You know, in other words, what happens if I get hurt? What happens if there's a pandemic and you can't play in the NFL? What happens if there's something else that happens that, you know, there's a strike or what happens if, you know, for some reason I get sick or, you know, all of you know, get injured or whatever it is and can't play. What am I guaranteed? And I have to figure that the reason that Rogan made this kind of deal is he looked at it and said, yeah, of course, I can take a huge risk and build my own company, build my own platform, build my own subscribers. And maybe that works out and maybe I get a billion dollars. Maybe, maybe. But here I'm looking at a check Bird in, right hand. Now, in my hand, right, for 200 million bucks or 100 million bucks or whatever the number is. And I get that whether I win, lose or fail, right? Whether or not I basically, if I come out one day and say something, I get too high on my show and interview Elon Musk and all of a sudden I say something stupid that gets me banned from, you know, whatever. I still get my money. I still get my dough. And I can still go live in my big house and I can, you know, basically, you know, have FU money for the rest of my life. I have to figure that's the calculus. It's the guaranteed money here that makes it all attractive here. Yes, I could have made money. Yes, I could. Maybe I left something on the table. But, I mean, as my dad said to me a million years ago, he said, in negotiation, negotiate for what you want, not what you think you can get. And I think Joe did exactly that. I think he negotiated for exactly what he wanted and got, and got what he wanted instead of what he thought he could get. Well, as you might expect, this uh, this hits home a little bit with me because, <laughs> of course, yeah, especially, of course it does, it's, especially with what's this going is, this on. This is the this, this is the same decision you faced. Well, here's the thing, too. I, I mean, uh, let's be honest. Anybody that knows, you know, what happened when we sold in 2016, and you look at what happens happened to the event business here. I mean, it would have never happened this year. If you, in if you, hindsight, if you, yeah, if you said four right. years. It, if you said four years later, Joe, are you getting the deal? No. You're not. I'm not getting the deal. There's no way it happens. That's right. So from this standpoint, let's just say that something happens to the free distribution model of podcasts as they are right now as That's a marketing right. tool, and it could happen, right? Some, some, or if they just go away, nobody cares anymore. There's all kinds of things that could happen. So I, while I do, I do absolutely see the fact that oh, he has 11 million listeners. Could he monetize those 11 million listeners to in five years, uh, you know, make a, a billion dollar company? I totally see that. I also see the fact that I'd like to have 200 million dollars right now, and <laughs> yeah, and not not ever worry about my family or anything again. And I want to do, you know, more philanthropy or do, you know, whatever it is. I want to spend more time with my kids. 
Good for him. Good for you, Joe. <laughs> exactly. Good for him. Congratulations. Congratulations. Right? And by the way, setting the market, right? You know, as to, to draw the other sports analogy here, every time a star sports uh, figure gets paid, it sets the market for That's the right. next one. And so he has absolutely set the market for the next part. So it's good for podcasting, too. Well, um, it's yes, for entrepreneurs of, if, you know, doing the YouTube thing, doing the Instagram thing, yep. doing the TikTok. Thing. If you're building an audience and doing what Joe Rogan is doing, you can get paid today. Like you, that right. is a viable option. I think one of the most viable. If you're coming out of college right now, these are. The, I would look at this. Look at what Joe Rogan did in five years, and he was able to do this. Which, by the way, not rocket science. He's got a great personality. He's a great interviewer, and he's got great access because he was a comedian and started there. And boom, this is possible. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, okay. So yeah. enough about Joe Rogan, because I'm a little bit jealous. I got to be honest. I, I I don't know where our 200 million is. I you know where I mean, we, we haven't gotten that offer yet. Do you think? Have, the, have the, you been hiding that? Have you been hiding that offer from me, Joe? No. Here's what I'm wondering. I'm honestly wondering. We haven't talked about this, but I'm want if this old marketing offered uh, exclusive subscriber access to something for a couple bucks a month. Do you think people would pay for it? I'm, I'm totally, I mean, why not talk about I it? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. I'm the worst, I'm the worst person to ask about that too. Cause I'm, I, as you very well know, I, I'm the worst salesperson ever in the history of sales. That's not true. Of, That's not true. Selling myself. <laughs> That's not, yeah, yeah. you're, you're, you're under, you're underselling yourself. You are very Again, good right. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, you do. It gets a little meta there. It gets a little meta there, right? I'm underselling myself as underselling my sales (laughs) prowess. Yeah. So, but I love that model. I yeah, there the 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 subscription model for for podcasts is a thing today. You you know, you and I talked about it. The Sam Harris model. Sam Harris has a podcast on. He gives about forty five or so minutes away for free, and then he has uh, subscribers can listen to the whole thing and a bunch of other stuff and. I don't know what he sells it for, but if you really don't have the money and and you can't afford it, he he does give it to you for free. But if you have ten bucks a month, you pay ten bucks a month. Yeah, and it's working really well for him. <clears throat> so I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. So. Well, all right. So let's move on to our next story here, which is where we continue our trip down the rabbit hole into interesting territory here. Uh, so this week, um, a very interesting thing happened uh, in social media and literally may happen as we almost literally as we record this could happen any time. The headline is from the New York Times, although again, every major news outlet is covering this Twitter uh, and this really could include all the social networks, uh, come under fire from Trump's supporters uh, is the headline here. Basically, after the social media company labeled two of the president's tweets as inaccurate on Tuesday, his adherents pounced uh, not long after Twitter added a warning label to two of President Trump's tweets on Tuesday, his supporters swung into action and start to criticize the social network, uh, including, by the way, the president of the United States, who has threatened uh, to uh, issue an executive order and or even shut down the social networks. So we'll link to that story. And then there's certainly another story that we can link to, which comes to us courtesy of Reuters, which is, of course, the robot himself, Mr. Zuckerberg, has uh, (laughs) weighed in on this uh, topic. And uh, the Reuters story is basically Mark Zuckerberg says the government censoring social media is not the right reflex, which is just such a weird and Zuckerberg-y way of saying this. Um, Yeah, Facebook Inc.'s chief executive officer, Mark Zuckerberg, commenting on U.S. President Donald Trump's threats against the social media company, said on Wednesday, censoring a platform would not be the right reflex for a government worried about censorship. I'll have to understand what they actually would intend to do, but in general, I think a government choosing to censor a platform because they're worried about censorship doesn't exactly strike me as the right reflex there, Zuckerberg said in an interview with Fox News. Um, So we'll link to obviously both uh, of those stories. Um, And so, (laughs) Mr. Polizzi... What do you do with this? Where... 
where, I, yeah, where do we go with this? For, I mean, so, what, what so, the heck? Yeah, there's so many issues going on. I do, we do want to talk about what they mean for marketers because I think that's probably yes, where that's our domain real. is. That's right. But, but the fact the fact that you don't like uh, how the the move on Twitter putting a this might not be real type of thing as violating free speech, but then you want to shut down the whole thing, <laughs> which would right. really be violating free speech. I guess. Um, well, to regarding what Zuckerberg said, and regarding first of all, regarding what Twitter did, finally, thank you, Twitter. You are a media company, and you have a responsibility for the communications going on your platform. And when you know something is a hundred percent wrong, you should note it. And by the way, they've been doing this for a while. They've been throwing people off their platform for a long time for basically spreading rumors and lies on their platform. So if you do that, you cannot say, uh, we'll only do it if you're not rich or famous. <laughs> right. If it, oh, Because if you're rich or famous and you have a platform, then we don't want to kick you off because you help our advertising. So, so let's get consistent Twitter. And let's do it for everyone if you think you should be doing it. And I and I would set it up where, you know, if it's just some anonymous account doing something and you can't, fine, just let that go. But if something gets traction and really starts to get spread around, they should something should kick in, whether that's the AI algorithm or whatever they're doing, where they should mark it and say, hey, this is this thing that's being shared is problematic and here's why. I don't see it. That's that's not violating anyone's free speech. But it is letting people know that this there might be a problem with this information. So first of all, kudos to Twitter. They need to keep doing this. Zuckerberg needs to get his head out of his butt right now and start <laughs> doing something on, on the platform that will probably be known for in 10 years as the Philip Morris of our time. They need to get their act together right now and start doing something about this. And let instead of letting people live in multiple realities right now and feeding in to garbage on both sides. This is not a political thing, right or left. This is both. Both extremes are being fed information, in a lot of cases from other entities that have different goals and objectives than the United States do. And it is tearing, in a lot of cases, this country apart. And Facebook is one of the reasons why this is happening. And they need to do something about it. I don't, nobody's going to take down Facebook or Twitter and social media. That is absolutely not going to happen because if the president takes down Twitter, it's going to crush him. Uh, right. He'd be very upset. I don't know ever, I don't know what he would do. I mean, he would really, it would, uh, and I'm not saying crush him from a visibility standpoint. I think personally he would go crazy. <laughs> I mean, where is he going? I mean, he tweets like a hundred times a day. I mean, yeah. that, that would take a lot of, he would have to find something else more golf to play or something like that. I don't know. But yeah. anyways, uh, I, I'm kudos to, to Twitter is my roundup. Facebook, get your act together and follow suit. They All these companies should be following suit with this. I'd like to see this go, go on as a regular thing that respectable media companies have been doing for a long time and not let erroneous information on their platforms. Done. That's it. There it is. There it is. Do you folks. have a different take on that? I, here's well, here's my take. I don't know how different it is, but it's 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 certainly um, you know I think the challenge here is that there are good arguments um, that can be had. Like like we said at the top of the show, there is two competing thoughts that we have to be able to hold in our heads at the same time, um, which is one the social media platforms from the get go, right, going all the way back to YouTube. Um, have been trying to play both sides of the fence here. We are a media company that provides media, but we're not a media company. We're a platform because we're protected by the, the, all of the legislation that has been created for platforms because we're not responsible for what people put on our platform. And to, to the, all of the social media companies, and that includes everything from, and it, by the way, it's not only just social media companies, it's a lot of companies full stop that allow for user-generated um, content, yeah. have played both sides of that to their advantage, right? So YouTube started it by saying, hey, listen, we're going to censor some 
material, right? We're going to, you know, violence and, you know, child porn and all sorts of things that are, that are, that are, you know, considered sort of widely considered, you know, not, not good. We're going to ban. Um, and then it sort of extended into, you know, all sorts of censorship in terms of nudity, in terms of sex, in terms of violence, in terms of those things. And, there were many arguments that have been made for 20 years about whether or not it's good for them to actually do that. You know, there, there's a very libertarian argument to be made here to say they shouldn't censor anything. And then there's certainly the other side of the coin that says they should censor a lot. And at some point they cross into becoming a media company that is responsible for the content that they, that they produce. At a certain point, you look at it you know, that it's not about violence or pornography or whatever, which is, you know, famously been ruled by the Supreme Court to be sort of, I see, I know it when I see it. And you get into political opinion, which is, are we censoring, are they censoring or and or affecting or swinging or swaying political opinion by either surfacing and or labeling things that are untrue? And, and I use that word in quotes because, you know, you'll have certain portions of the, you know, populace say, well, they label things that are, you know, untrue that aren't untrue, right? And so everybody, quote unquote, you know, has their own perspective about what truth and fact really means in this in this world. And of course, there shouldn't be an argument, but there is, right? There is going to be a difference of opinion. And so it's very hard. It's a very hard and sticky situation if you're actually going to do this. I think both of them have made the decision that it needs to happen. And we've had this conversation before on yep. this show, which is they've made the decision. They've already made the decision. They made the decision 10 years ago when they started censoring some things. Fantastic. Take your responsibility, accept that it's part of your business model and your cost, and do it, right? And Make do it yourself well and a not media hazard. Yeah. And do it well. And do and do and not and and, and don't basically try and have both sides, you know, play both sides of the coin here. Oh, we're just a platform. Oh, we're just a, you know, we're not a media company. Oh, we're a media company. We're not a platform. Television networks, you know, others have basically figured this out, right? We're not having this argument around Fox News or MSNBC or any television network that's presenting user-generated content and, uh, you know, other elements of opinion and news. Why? Because, They've made the decision that they're a media company and they're responsible for what they put on the air yep. and they'll either stand by it or lose by it and, and, and so be it. The same needs to be true for social media as well. They just need to understand that it's their property. It's, the, you know, it's their land. They own it. It's their owned media property. We just play in it. And so those who are saying, oh, Twitter is censoring me. No, they're not. They, they, if they would come out and say, we're not censoring you, we're just a media company and we're deciding what goes on our platform. We may or may not like your comment and we may or may or may not delete it. So, and that full stop. You don't like it, don't use and the platform. And they already have that in their terms and conditions. It's not, you know, it's not about that. And that's, that's the problem we're having here is, is that we, we, the social media companies haven't made a, a, a firm decision one way or the other. They're trying to have it both ways. And thus, both arguments are equally valid. Well, I think they're, they're going to have to make a decision sometime very soon about how much they believe in this business model that they've already committed to. Uh, and I, I just... I just hope it happens before it gets much worse. And I'm actually really glad this conversation is going on right now because I would love to see this happen on Facebook, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on other properties uh, because I, I think it's just so divisive when some content gets out there that is 100% completely made up and gets traction because the social media platforms lean into it instead of calling it out. And it's time to it's time yeah. they call it out. Not to not to delete it. Right. I'm not saying I would like to see that, but I'm not saying that. I'm saying just call it out as problematic. That's a really good start. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so um, you know, they just need to make a decision. That's what and that's it. That's yep. that's that's really that's that's really at the end of the day what they need to do. So we'll see. Yeah, it could have happened. While we've been talking, we'll see. We'll see what <laughs> right exactly. What we never know. I don't know how you close <laughs> down social media outlets. Uh, how you would make that happen, but we will see. That's right. That's right. Well, speaking of, we will see. 
And speaking of making decisions, and speaking of, I don't know what the hell I'm doing, um, we have a wonderful sponsor we should talk about. We have a, we, we should talk about our sponsor Speaking here. Speaking of something. Yeah, okay, monetizing folks. podcast, as it were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, folks, you only have a couple more days. Uh, the end of the content marketing awards uh, submissions is happening. It's upon us now. Just in the next couple days. It's, it's 528 right now. I think you got two or three more days to get this in. I don't know if they've extended it. I think they have extended it. But let's just say... If you have your stuff together right now, you need to get it submitted. Go to contentmarketingawards.com and make it happen. Uh, it is a such a wonderful awards program. I'm so happy it exists because it it shines on, on brands and agencies doing some really impressive work in content marketing. And especially right now, in today's day and age, we as content marketers, we need to get the word out on our industry and our practice and how important it is. And we need to get as many success stories out there as possible. So while you can, go to contentmarketingawards.com and submit your many, many submissions for project of the year and strategy of the year and design and editorial and all kinds of great award categories. Um, is there one for uh, for best tandem podcast? Uh, because if I there don't is, believe there is. Yes, if there is, we, we wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, but, that's right. <laughs> but maybe somebody else would, <laughs> right? So go to uh, contentmarketingawards.com right now and submit while you still can. We should give ourselves an award. We that's what we should do is give ourselves the the award winning tandem podcast called the Chucklehead Award or something like that. I'm sure we know somebody in design that can make, can <laughs> make could that give us happen. The Shenanigans Although, Award. Shenanigans yeah. Award is better than the Chucklehead Award. Um, yeah. 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 So I'll take Although that. I don't I don't know that we're in contention for the latter. But, no, uh, but, probably probably but, not. But for the former. Probably not contention for anything that's positive. Uh, that is correct. That is correct. There's my t-shirt right yeah. there. I'm not in contention for anything positive. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for your favorite part of the show. Uh, empirically proven, scientifically proven, and absolutely the truth. It is our rants and rave section, which, of course, is when Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like um, we, yeah, I, you know, all sorts of wonderful things about standing in the corner with a mask on or whatever uh, anyway uh, what, what are you feel. you are you are know. yeah you need a glass of wine that's what you need right <laughs> yeah. the stat um, shall i go first or shall you go first i have uh, i have a i have a quibby update of course and then if, and then maybe a, a, a quick commentary and a rave what about you Let, let's yeah let me do mine first mine are very right. quick there you go. i just wanted to give a couple updates uh, on a on a rave I listened to. Do you have you listened to the Professor Scott Galloway podcast? I have many times. Yes. Okay. So, so Prof. It's the Prof G show. It's, it comes out every Thursday. I love it. I think he does a great job. I've always been a, a Prof G fan. He had Sam Harris on recently. Now, Sam Harris very, uh, very political. Definitely lean, leans left. So if you lean right, you're not going to like some of his comments. But I did specifically related to our industry. He made some commentary on the advertising industry that I just thought was so insightful. And, and we covered, we just covered some of it. But it, basically, he was talking about the fact that a lot of Americans are living in two different realities, the left and the right. Uh, they see a, you know, the content that feeds whatever they already believe. They don't see the full picture in a lot of cases. And he really talked about not social media, Robert, but he specifically called out the advertising model for many of society's problems. And I thought that was so interesting and said, if we could get rid of the advertising model, we would not have what's going on right now in Facebook. We wouldn't have what's going on with some of these shock jock uh, media outlets, if you will, that are they're really going for uh, any kind of disruption or divisiveness. Because that's how they get paid on more eyeballs and more advertising, and he says it's it's re really become an outlandish problem, and something needs to be done about it. And if you are interested in that, I would go, and we'll put put the link in the show notes. But it's the Prof G podcast with uh, with uh, Sam Harris that I just thought was interesting on just the comments on advertising. Um, Fascinating. Yeah, it is. Have you listened to it yet? 
I have not listened to that episode yet. No, I, 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 I have heard him rail on this before. This is not, this is not new territory for him. So I'm very, I'm now I'm very curious to go listen to it, to hear what he's got to say. Yeah. So curious. Cause I never thought we've, we've heard about specifically Facebook and then Twitter and all kinds of different social media, but I never heard somebody call out the advertising model as dismantling our society. I'm like, Oh, that's news. Let's let's pick that one apart for a little bit. So go check it out. Yeah. I'm sure we'll talk more about it on the show as we go because I just think that that needs to have some traction to it. Um, yeah. And then I've got a quick rant, not on the article, but just on what's going on. This is from Digiday. It's called TV Advertisers Want New Rights to Pull Out of Ad Deals. You know more about this than I do, Robert, but I just thought this was ridiculous where if you are an advertiser generally i guess i mean you tell me i guess you there's a 60 day clause where if you have a, an agreement you can pull out uh from the media company 60 days especially for television advertising well they're That's trying right. to get that moved to 14 days look it, it i know i know that we're in weird times but any other industry if you sign a an, an agreement it's an agreement you are good for it. And already it's it's horrible because you get a 60-day out. Okay, I'm fine. That's 60-day out. Now you're going for 14 days. Media companies cannot survive on a 14-day out. That right. is ridiculous because they're building their programming around that and the investment that they get in a lot of cases from advertising. And I think it's ridiculous for marketers to say, oh, I want to basically get out anytime. I don't care if you're I don't care if it's about to run. Pull it. That's ridiculous. It's a buyer's market. It's a buyer's market right now, for sure. You know, and that's the that's the challenge with it. You know, right? I mean, especially in these times. You know, one of the, you know, one of the things that I've been hearing about so often is how cheap right now regional TV is. Um, and, and you know, and so media buyers are going crazy right now with you know doing. Uh, you know, there's been a trend for a long time in TV ads where you know, you don't do a national buy anymore. What you do is you do, you know, regional, you know, a roll up of regional buying, right. Which usually can be cheaper if you can figure out the, you know, all of the heavy lifting that you've got to do with it. So getting your ad distributed and stuff like that. And right now in this, in, in this marketplace, you know, um, regional TV buys are, you know, they're coming on the pennies. Um, and so, it's it's a tough time if you're in the if you're in the you know if you're if you're purely in the advertising business right now it can be it can be really it can be really hard. Well, the, and to your point, and this this just came over the wire here. Global ad spend set to fall by almost fifty billion dollars this year. Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's actually going to be worse than that. Um, so they pro- projected six hundred twelve billion down to five hundred sixty billion. Obviously, some are going to be worse than others, but I think it's going to get really really bad and. And you and I both know companies that as soon as this came out, they said, we're, we're, we're cutting, we're basically cutting marketing for the year because we're, yeah. we're in sheer survival mode. So you're right. It is a buyer's market, but man, I, the terms again, advertise, maybe Sam Harris has a point advertising the model itself. Not good. <laughs> yeah. Do something yeah. Not, else. Not good. Not good is the key yeah, here. Not good. Yeah. What do you got? What do you got? All right. Well, I have uh, a few things. Um, first of all, of course, uh, it, you know, of course, we have to have our Quibi update. Yeah, because gotta, how, how's Quibi? Uh, how's Quibi doing these days? We need music for this. Didn't we talk about last episode dun, getting dun, some music dun, for, dun, for this? Dun. Yeah. What kind of um, what kind of music do you have for? I think it. For I think Quibi. it should be like sort of a, a TikTok thing, right? So almost like a Jeopardy theme, right? And it's like, what's that one song? I can't remember. What's the? I can't. Uh, Rudy, you know, remember Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Let's do yeah. Quibby, Quibby, Quibby. Oh, do you, do you, do you, do ya? I like it. I like it. This is good. This is good. Quibby, okay, quibby, there you quibby. go. I'll do that right. every time. Okay, Maybe. there you go. Okay, go ahead. All got? right, so here's our Quibby update. It comes to us uh, from the Wall Street Journal, just came out last week. Um, and it's just to the point you just made, my friend. Uh, advertising or seeking uh, to revise the deal terms with the streamer Quibby. Um, uh, yet again, another sort of nonplussed picture of our friend Jeffrey Katzenberg here on the cover of this story. Uh, and the article says streaming service Quibby is beginning to feel the pinch of its lackluster performance. Advertisers, including PepsiCo, Yum Brands, Anheuser-Busch, Walmart, 
Walmart uh, of all started to ask for refunds and or Oops. extensions um, for their advertising dollars, which is not going to be bode well for all of the wonderful quibbies out there. Um, I think, um, you know, we'll see what they can do and pivot. I mean, there's been lots of news about them trying to pivot. You and I both got from an analyst firm that we uh, subscribe to a letter that has not been, I guess it's not, I couldn't find a link for it out on the public web, but basically the email said, yeah, this is the investors are getting gun shy about this. Uh, they're really starting to, to look at this as a, as a bad, as a bad thing. So Quibi continues its downward spiral here and, and, uh, and we'll see what they can do and we'll keep, uh, we'll keep you up to date on Quibi watch 2020 and it see how they, you know, see how they fare. Promising. It does not look good. It does no, not look good. No, no. Um, my quick commentary. So this is a question that I have, um, for you, for the audience, Ooh. for the general world. Um, so an article caught my eye, uh, and it's from Media Post, and I was starting to read the article, and it was it's a McClatchy launches a local news site in Longmont, Colorado, uh, which basically talked about the Longmont Reader, which is a new local news website um, that comes on the heels in McClatchy, uh, which is of course a big media company um, of another. Uh, relaunch of a local newspaper which was the uh uh the uh the daily newspaper the vindicator in youngstown ohio uh which you may or may not be familiar with and i thought huh well there's two local papers and then interestingly what i noticed is is that it's a experiment a project that is funded in part uh by google uh and google has this uh initiative called the google news initiative uh, which they're, they're running experiments of co-funding with other publishers the launching of local newspapers in the digital format. So I'm like, I'd not, I, I, maybe it's me having my head in the sand, but I didn't even know that this was a thing. So I dug a little deeper um, and went to the Google News Initiative, which actually has a website that we'll link to in the show notes. It's newsinitiative.withgoogle.com. And it's all about how Google cares deeply in journalism and basically is trying all these things to work with media companies to really help them revise business models, help them figure out how to make local news a thing, um, including apparently co-funding the launch of you know local newspapers in Longmont, Colorado and Youngstown, Ohio and more to come. So I thought this was really interesting, given especially what we were talking about in the show about do we or do we not trust companies like Facebook and Twitter and Google and Netflix and Amazon and all of the rest of them, these big tech companies, um, and or if this is sort of the entree for a brand to go to Google and say, hey, listen, maybe we should work with you and do yeah. this. Why does it have to be McClatchy, right? Why? Why could it not be a brand to go to Google and say, okay, we want to help. We want to help, you know, drive local journalism. We want to help do these things as well. Anyway, I have more questions than I do answers here or even suggestions, but I just thought it was a really interesting uh, thing that I didn't know a lot about. I'm starting to dig a little deeper into it, and I just thought it was, I don't know, I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, I, so, I would like to see more of this, please, right? Uh, this yeah. is Especially, we talked about this a couple episodes ago, our local newspaper, The Plain Dealer, they've let go the majority of their journalists. The union's gone. Um, there's a, there's a big problem with local news coverage and, and has been for a long time. This is not a new thing, but the, the COVID thing is kind of the last death knell. Now we're, we're in, we're in trouble here locally. There's an interesting business model that just started called the land and they're trying to cover some of these local stories that aren't being covered, but something like what Google's done can help fund that. And yeah, yeah I, I, or I really, a brand a, or something a like brand, that. Brand, brand, entrepreneur, any, yeah, anybody. It's not, I think we've talked about this for a long, long time. I mean, brands should be doing consortiums of brands who are tied to a local community. I think it's one of their responsibilities is to fund these efforts. That's um, right. I would like to think so. So I, I yeah. hope it happens. Yeah. Um, and then finally, a very quick rave that I have um, that I so as I told you, we were up in uh, Santa Barbara 
uh, this last on Memorial Day weekend. Um, and there's a local business there, uh, which is a roofing company. And the roofing company is called Action Roofing. You know, it's like one of those, you know, underscore, underscore, A, 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 Action Roofing, you know, so that it appears first in the, you know, so totally local business here. And, you know, they're just a regular roofing company. However, what I learned is that the owner of that business for the last, I believe, 25 years has been producing a newsletter, a, 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 a week, a daily newsletter on the weather. And he literally just writes about the weather. He is so accurate that now the local news outlets and basically oh, everybody in the town uses his weather report at, rather than the local news. I mean, he and he gets down to the time. Like if you read his newsletter, which I now get because it's just so entertaining and so wonderful, his local newsletter is literally, the rain will be coming in around 2 p.m. today if you live at the coast and about 2.30 p.m. if you live in the inland areas. It will only last about 20 minutes, however, and then it'll get sunny again and be warm and breezy around 80 degrees. I mean, he's oh. just very folksy, wonderful. And, and by the way, you know, and then he offers tips around your roof and all that kind of stuff. It's just the most beautiful local small business content marketing example that I've seen in so long. And it's just delightful. And, and he, you know, they, he calls it, you know, is, uh, he, he's, he's just fantastic. Um, and, you know, his name is Jack Martin and he has his action blog and his action blog has basically, you know, all of the news around, you know, how many, how many COVID cases there are in Santa Barbara today, as well as the weather. it's just, he's, he's become sort of a local news hero. Um, and I just, I just loved it. That's great. That was, love that. It's just a great thing. So we've got links in the show notes. Not that you care about this as Santa Barbara weather, but you know, it's good example to go look at good. It's a great example. Good example of what any company can do. Exactly. With uh, with a few ideas and not much budget needed. That's right. That's right. Doesn't take much. That's right. That's right. So, any plans for the week? Yeah. What do you What you got going on there? We're actually uh, we have a backyard project going on. Uh, we're trying to set up the backyard in our home in Cleveland so that we can have uh, more people over to feel comfortable to come over and spend time together and you know with whatever rules are going on right now. So. Uh, we, you know, we've got some, some projects in the works so that hopefully in a month uh, we'll have it where people can play all sorts of games in the backyard and not have to go in the house to use the restroom and those types of things. So that's kind of our project for the next week or two. So it should be fun. That's nice. Yeah. I'm I hope so. I mean, nice. we've already sent the, yeah, we we're having, um, you know, a, a little gathering this Saturday to, to kick off our, our new, uh, backyard toilet. <laughs> so nice yeah i mean it it's you know we'll we'll deal with the summer how we have to deal with it i think this is the way to deal with it that we can still get together and socialize and have a good time uh outside now when it's very nice beautiful out so how about you very you very nice well i am heads down this week i am all about the work doing some presentations i've got some things to record i've got some client deliverables to work on it is it is work 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 yeah. work for me exactly. um and a little bit of scotch 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 so scotch, to go scotch. along with that so uh yeah that's what that's what i'm all about this week good. um Very yeah good. following up the long weekend awesome and drink um, more wine absolutely well you know what i'm actually off the wine um Are you? I'm, oh I'm, my yeah, god you're just I'm doing trying to lose drinks? yeah I'm, tr- I'm trying to lose a little bit of this covid19 that i've uh, actually put on over the last few uh weeks and so i've actually switched uh and i'm trying to drink less wine and have maybe you know a tequila or something like that uh in the evening to uh to you know to to stave off the calories basically so yeah so a little sprite more tequila. Zero. sprite zero and yeah. vodka works well sprite. too <laughs> Sprite Zero. <laughs> I'm serious. My friend got me hooked because I used to do um, Tito's and Tonic all yeah. the time. And yeah. and now I do uh, Tito's and Sprite Zero. Zero, and it's got a little bit of sweetness to it. And That's the most Cleveland the thing ever. That's the most Cleveland thing ever, <laughs> Sprite Zero and Tonic or vodka. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's that is. Yeah. That is the perfect note to end on with our Tito's and Sprite Zero. That is it, folks. We are signing off. If you like this episode, episode number 237, that's right, 237 of these bad boys, subscribe, 
resubscribe. We need that $200 million check like Joe Rogan. So help us get there, won't you? We have a little thermometer going that we're going to look at the valuation of our little show here. Get yourself a shiny new subscription to our show. And thank you, by the way, for listening. Um, We, if you don't know already, we are publishing about twice a month now or when the occasion hits, um, doing special episodes in between those things. Uh, if you're looking for more Joe, and who isn't really looking for more Joe, you can get that at joepolizzi.com slash newsletter. Sign up there for all sorts of wonderful things about his book writing, about his thoughts on the world, uh, and about and just some great, great links. It's just a wonderful newsletter. And as for me... If you're interested in the topic of content strategy, content marketing, uh, content as a strategic function in the business, you can get all of that at contentadvisory.net. And of course, hashtag us up, this old marketing on the socials, um, hashtag us up and everything we talked about will, of course, be in the show notes and links and all of that. But we need those news items. We want those news items. We can really use them. In the meantime, until we meet again, remember, everybody, it is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you in a couple of weeks on This Old Marketing.